I was in a meeting the other day where someone said, I can't believe it's going to take a year to do this project. And you say, well, it took three years to build your newest facility. Like, how is this any different? It's the same scale of capital investment. Welcome to Unlocking Big Data, a series about getting trusted data to healthcare decision makers presented by HIMSS. In December 2023, HIMSS Market Insights conducted research with 100 healthcare leaders to understand perspectives on the use of data analytics platforms. Throughout the series, we'll present key data points from the research and focus on why these data points are important and how you can leverage these findings to support your healthcare organization's data initiatives. Today, I'm joined by Albert Marinez, Chief Analytics Officer at Cleveland Clinic, and Michael Mucci, President and CEO of Arcadia. Welcome, Albert and Michael. Thanks for having us today. So we are definitely at an inflection point in the industry now with analytics and AI, where we've got implications for the workforce, for strategic priorities and how we think about setting them. We can tap these efficiency gains so that people can concentrate on bigger problems and, and, and uh, bigger solutions. So it's a really exciting time. But I want to start with um, you, Michael, on this one. Before you were CEO uh, at Arcadia, uh, you were the chief operations officer, and that meant working across the organization, across disciplines, across functions. And um, you bring that lens to working with clients today. How do organizations need to think about collaboration and cross-functional work in this new generation of analytics and AI. It's interesting. When I took the seat as a COO, I got some advice that when you're running cross-functional operations, you have to lead with empathy. And I remember thinking, what does that mean? And it took a while for me and a lot of reflection to realize that it was that empathic component that allowed us to be really successful. So as you're thinking about building a high-performing workforce that's data-enabled and focused on outcomes, there's a piece of that where you have to understand what motivates individuals. And I think Albert will probably be able to reflect on how this, how this translates at the clinic. But if you're looking at implementing a new technology, whether it's a new self-service analytics platform, there's change management tied to that. And change is really hard for a lot of people because when you're changing things it doesn't stop you from doing what your core responsibilities are every day you know we we at arcadia just implemented a a new enterprise-wide chatbot it's amazon's q product and it allows us to index all of our knowledge resources across the organization and you can say how do i configure cost of care guidelines in a customer environment and it's going to spit an answer back to you and what we're excited about is that democratizes that access to information. It allows us to support our customers better. But what we just spent a lot of time thinking about when we implemented it wasn't the technical implementation and it wasn't connecting it to the different knowledge databases at Arcadia. It was how do you create the training material, the enablement, and the forums for employees and customers to ask questions about how to use this? in a way that there was no judgment because you have varying levels of technical activation across an organization. And I think that that's probably similar to the clinic. You implement a new tool and it doesn't change the fact that a physician has to perform surgery that day or an access coordinator has to schedule a number of appointments. You're asking them to take additional time out of their day to learn how to use a new technology, to use a new process. And that's disruptive. No one likes change. And Albert, you've talked about how uh, when you're talking about this transformation, you actually have to manage expectations. 
when you're taking on uh, one of these large projects. And you've, you've talked about how do you stage that? I'd love you to shed some light on, on that approach uh, that then creates that, that space that uh, Michael is referring to where people can have empathy and trust for each other and, and, and create that kind of learning environment. Well, we need, this, we need to deliver and we need to deliver in small increments that add real tangible value. Let's start there. The vision has to be there and has to be established. We need to have what is the big headline number or goal target that we are driving towards. Setting those expectations up front that that's not going to happen overnight, but that we are going to demonstrate progress along the way. I like to use the construction analogy because what we do in the technology space, you think about a, a CEO of a health system or a CFO, they have a ton of experience with capital projects, building new facilities, and you can see it. You can see ground being broken. You can see excavation, framing going up, windows going in. But when you go implement a massive data system, you don't see any of that. We see it. You know, you see like the interface engine light up, you see the lake hydrate. But if you said to your CEO, oh, the lake is hydrated, they may or may not know what that means. And so I think that there's something really challenging as IT leaders is we see the process, but nobody else can see the process. And so you have to be able to bring them along in that. And, and I was in a meeting the other day where someone said, I can't believe it's going to take a year to do this project. And you say, well, it took three years to build your newest facility. Like, how is this any different? It's the same scale of capital investment. And, and that has to do with that sort of visibility, empathy, and communication um, that both of you are talking about. Uh, Michael, I want to go to you about, we talk a lot about AI and analytics having implications for the knowledge worker. How do we, you know, sort of bring more literacy to our workforce? But it's also changing the C-suite. And it's changing how we think about ownership and roles uh, at the executive level. Uh, I'd love your thoughts on how that's transforming. I think there are a couple of different impacts in the C-suite. First, I think there's a lot of excitement. You see management teams across industries looking at AI as a productivity unlock. They see it as a way to improve financial performance at the same time that they're improving employee satisfaction and customer outcomes. And there's there's rarely initiatives where you get to check all of those boxes. Sometimes you'll have an initiative that saves some cost and maybe the end product isn't the same level of quality. But these, these AI models enable us to do well by doing right and doing good. And so I think there's a lot of exuberance, but there's also caution because it's new and we don't know where these products will evolve and how they're being governed. And so I think there's a healthy degree of caution and thought and foresight around how do you not only take advantage of the benefit, but reinvest some of the benefit into governance and auditing and security to make sure that we're not allowing AI to run away and control society. Makes sense. And at the Cleveland Clinic, Albert, you've put up a center of excellence for AI. Uh, so what do you hope to kind of get out of this new working group um, in, in, at this very exciting inflection point? Yeah, we, we call it the AI task force uh, at the Cleveland Clinic. And exactly what Michael was referring to, it's the task force that's going to set those guardrails, ensure that when we are introducing new algorithms, new AI processes, that we are walking through a rigorous process around the, uh, the ethical implications of what the algorithm is doing. We're 
looking at bias. We're understanding uh, how that model is going to be monitored on an ongoing basis and even uh, how we will sunset that on the other side, something that we should think about up front. Uh, and so that task force is intended to look through all of those, set those guardrails so that we can have all of the teams across the clinic working on the, these type of innovations. I think what's really interesting is this is not supposed to be comfortable. Change and massive progress is uncomfortable. I was in the car on, on the way over here today and I, I had this moment that I was really chuckling at. I was reading an article on my phone that said Sam Altman was quoted talking about GPT-5 is going to develop in ways that makes society uncomfortable. My Uber was a Tesla and he had autopilot driving and we're in Boston today and anybody who's driven in downtown Boston knows that that is not an autopilot zone and I was uncomfortable, but the driver was experimenting and I think that that's a perfect analogy for the moment that we're in across industries. And you've also spoken uh, to this, Albert, about a culture of small experiments and how do we do that um, and, and build for that while maintaining consistency and guardrails. Uh, so uh, thank you so much for that conversation and uh, best of luck to both of you in this adventure. This was great. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having us. Be sure to catch the Companion Hims TV interview with Michael and Albert for more on how to fully unlock your organization's healthcare data through AI. For Hemscast, I'm Indu Subaya.